Welcome to another edition of Who Says No. I am one of your hosts, Sam Quinn. He's back after his, I don't want to say lengthy vacation. He missed one episode, which that's like, I don't know, 15% of this show's history. But look who's back. The man, the myth, the hyphen, Colin Ward-Henninger. Colin, how was your time off? Man, that, that is quite an intro, and it makes me warms my heart to be back here. I am a little bit upset that the, the first podcast of 2021 went to James Herbert, not myself. But, you know, that's just the kind of guy I am willing to share the wealth. But, hey, I missed you, man. I missed the podcast. You know, I feel like if we were going to have anybody come on for the first one, it had to be James. Lights a fire under you. Another CBS reporter, like, coming at your seat. You know, like, I, I think this is going to be good for you. I think this is going to light a fire. It is. It's like James Harden throwing a basketball at someone's head during during practice. Shots fired, you know, just keep you on your toes, let you know someone's coming for your spot. We need that energy, and we're going to use that energy to talk about a team that, I mean, for the second episode in a row, we're talking about a team that not many people want to talk about, except when we're extracting their players to send to interesting teams. We're going to talk about the Charlotte Hornets, because they're not a very good team. They have some players that we think could be better used on other teams, especially in light of the emergence of LaMelo Ball. That backcourt is looking pretty crowded right now. LaMelo is clearly a starting caliber player, even now, even two weeks into his career. So we need to get one of their starters off the team. It's either Devontae Graham or Terry Rozier. Colin, I believe you have a Terry Rozier trade for me. Yeah, so, I, you know, just starting on the basics with the Graham or Rozier thing, right? That's kind of where you're at. When you're drafting, you know, they had the three, number three pick. Wiseman was off the board. And Edwards is off the board. So you, you go with a guy who you think is the best player. That, there's nothing wrong with that. But eventually, you have to make that move. And I think, you know, even though LaMelo had a really good season in Australia, I think there were some some ideas that it would take him a while to kind of get into the swing of the NBA physicality. And, you know, he's not a very good defender or, or a, a adequate defender at all at this point in his career. But honestly, like, the kid's looking really good, right? And, and I think more than anything, Charlotte – if they were gunning for that eighth spot in the East, it's it's not looking great so far, right? So I think it's about time that they start looking into getting LaMelo more minutes. And the only way to do that is to to get rid of Graham or Rozier. And you know what I was actually, uh, the first thought was like, okay, yeah, get rid of Rozier because Graham's younger. But guess how old Terry Rozier is? He's not that old. It's just that he's been on a lot of like interesting teams and he's said a lot of really like, he talks about himself in the way that superstars talk about themselves. So he feels older, but he's like 26, right? Terry Rozier is 26. Devontae Graham is 25. Now, Devontae Graham being 25 is a curveball. I was almost right. So he's I I didn't remember that he's one of those four year guys and he did nothing in his rookie year. So we kind of forget about it. Yeah, Last year was his first year where he actually played. So, you know, that actually does make a lot of sense. Yeah, right. So when I'm I'm thinking about it, I just immediately think, all right, well, Graham's younger. So get rid of or uh, get rid of Rozier. But honestly, Rozier's only a year older. And at this point, you know, they're pretty equal, I think, in terms of play. But anyway, uh, I looked into some numbers to try to help me make this decision. And so far, uh, obviously, a very small sample size. But with uh, Rozier and LaMelo Ball on the court together, they've played 96 minutes together. Decent for the first, you know, seven games of the season. They're minus 15.5 in net rating. So That's not great. Not, not great. Not great. So then I looked at Graham and Ball. I figure they're the Hornets. They probably have bad net ratings no matter who's on the court. So I look at Graham and Ball. 47 minutes, so about half the time. Plus 13.8, Sam. That's significantly better significantly better so I don't know you know it could be garbage time whatever but 
The point is, it seems like, at least in the early mix, Graham and Ball are playing together a little bit better than Rozier. Well, if we're making a trade two weeks in, it makes sense. Like, this isn't going to be a big sample no matter what we look at it as. But, yeah, so far, you're right. Right. And Graham has a little more of the, you know, explosive off-the-dribble three-point shooting, probably a little bit better passer than Rozier. So, you know, it makes sense. Uh, Obviously, a year younger, like we said. Um, So, anyway, my idea is to trade Terry Rozier to open up space for LaMelo Ball, which is what the Hornets should be doing. So in looking to trade Terry Rozier, the guy's actually playing really well, right? Uh, he, he doesn't get talked about much like we talked about. He's on the Hornets. Uh, I think there's a few teams I could use. And the first team I looked at was the Philadelphia 76ers. And I looked into it. Uh, they could use, you know, a, a secondary ball hander, playmaker, maybe take over that kind of Shake Milton role, because I don't know how you feel about Shake Milton, but I'm not a not a huge fan, but we got to get Brad Bakken on here to talk Shake Milton because <laughs> he's very passionate about Shake Milton. But essentially, uh, the 76ers can't—they have nothing to trade, basically. So that—that's kind of a, a, a moot point. Well, um, they have one thing. If you really want to get aggressive about it, now I don't know that I would do this, but Danny Green is an expiring contract in that general salary range. If you wanted to play two point guard sized guys and go really heavily offense with Rozier and Seth Curry, like maybe you could. Right. And I thought about that kind of uh, thought experiment, but I think that was the whole point was to get a guy, you know, a three and D type veteran, you know, proven playoff performer in green. So then you go and trade him for uh, Rozier. I, I don't think that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, um, I don't you, think Philly would, they have the number one defense right now. I don't think they would break that up. Yet. Right. And they're rolling. So I don't think they really make a trade, but anyway, I do think he might help them, you know, down the road, but it's just not really feasible. Um, so then I, I looked into another team, uh, you know what? I'll save that. Let's just let's just go with the trade I went with. So the team that's getting Rozier is the Memphis Grizzlies. OK, this is not what I was thinking, but sell me on it. It's a little off the radar, right? So, yeah, I, I know the Grizzlies aren't exactly a team that might be looking for a trade right now. But think about this, right? They just lost John Morant for, you know, maybe a couple months, depending on how he heals. So they have a, an immediate need for a point guard, someone who can run the show, a shot creator, a playmaker. Rozier fits the bill, right? And then even when Morant comes back, you give him a little help. They can play together. Terry Rozier has proven that he can play off the ball as well. I think he's shooting something like 45% on catch-and-shoot threes this year. So he's proven he can do that. I think, uh, you know, I think he would really help the Grizzlies if we're, as a team who is probably looking to make the playoffs this year. Once Jaron Jackson comes back, they'll be pretty good. Uh, and in exchange... I think uh, I, I had some fanciful ideas, but I think ultimately if the Hornets goal is just to clear space for LaMelo Ball to play, I don't know if they need a lot in return. So I have, you know, Gorgie Dang as the salary filler and then they can get a 2022 pick. So so here's the thing that the Grizzlies own two twenty, basically two 2022 picks. They own one from Utah, which is a 2021 pick, but it's protected one through seven and 15 through 30. So chances are that's not going to convey in 2021. In 2022, it's protected one through seven. So essentially that's going to be a 2022 Utah pick. So they can trade that. I'll take that or just give me your own 2022 pick. I'll take either. I'm not going to be picky. If you think you're going to be better than Utah, go ahead and give us your own pick. So Grizzlies end up getting Terry Rozier. The Hornets get Gorgie Dang's expiring salary and one of those 2022 picks. Sam, who says no? The Grizzlies say no, and here's why. I have some basketball concerns, but we can table those for the time being. Are we sure that the Grizzlies want to win this year? This seems kind of a golden opportunity for them 
to maybe not necessarily tank fully because Jaw's going to be back and Jaron's going to be back, but lose enough games to get back into the lottery for what might be the last time in several years, right? Like we would both assume that Memphis is going to be in the playoffs next year. And aside from maybe injuries, probably for the next four or five, six years after that, if I were them, I'd rather just lose. I'd rather just, you know, get another pretty high pick, add another core piece. In this scenario, you're not only hurting your own draft pick, you're giving up a pretty valuable pick down the line. Now, don't get me wrong. If your goal is to make the playoffs, I don't think this is the worst trade. I just, I wouldn't give up a first round pick for it. Like if it was Gorgie Jang and maybe a second or even two seconds, you could probably talk me into this, but really my plan would just be tank. Like why do the Grizzlies want to try to make the playoffs in the super deep West right now? Well, here's the thing. Uh I know you always go to tanking. That's like your thing. It's like your bit. It's everyone needs to tank. Everyone needs to tank all the time, or else their it's best useless. player is twenty. They almost made the playoffs last year. Like that. The Grizzlies probably would have made the playoffs last year if the season didn't get halted. Uh, they, you know, obviously had some trouble I in the bubble. I disagree with that, but that's another conversation. It's a possibility. New Orleans didn't end up being as good as we thought they would be. Whatever. Anyway. Uh, they were close, and I think the last thing you want to do with a team that's being competitive, especially for young guys, is to suddenly just say, oh, we're okay with not winning. That's not the culture that you want to develop. Also, is Terry Rozier really adding that many wins to your roster? I think this is a play yes. to kind of keep you afloat for now and then help you even more next year and potentially in the future if you end up re-signing him. I think he would be helpful enough to keep you alive. I don't think that he would make too much of a difference. It might be three, four wins in the grand scheme of things, but like that's not insignificant. I mean, Memphis knows this firsthand. They've jumped up from the middle of the lottery up to number two to get John Morant. Do they really want to go from say the seventh slot to the 11th or the 12th? I wouldn't think so. You know, and this isn't tanking in the sense that like you're ripping your team apart for the sake of it. This is totally organic. It's not their fault that their guys happen to be hurt. You know, this isn't aggressive tanking. This is organic tanking. I'd be totally fine with that if the result is we're getting, say, the sixth or the seventh pick in a draft that is absolutely loaded with wings, which they really, really need. I just don't see the motivation here. I, I can't wrap my head around trying to get better. I'm not saying they should try to get actively worse, but I would rather just take this opportunity to evaluate the guys who have in-house. And I, I just I can't get behind that. I just think you just you try to you try to keep winning. You know, you you do things that help your roster. I I, I understand the 2021 pick, but like th- this is a deep draft, and uh, you know if you move up a couple positions, you're still not going to be you know a high lottery pick, so you're not getting you know one of the marquee guys anyway. Are so, you sure you about know. that? They moved up from eight to two to get John Morant. Like with these flattened odds, I wouldn't rule it out. Well, then you're just playing luck. I mean, you got to do what you got you can do to improve your roster without having to rely on lottery balls. Do you think that you can wait a year to do it? What is making the playoffs this year going to realistically do for them? It's not like they haven't played in high leverage games. They did it last year. They already have the experience. I just think he's he seems like a Memphis player to me, like a guy who who wants to win, plays hard, is scrappy. I think he's just like the type of guy that they needed and it would help them. So if you have the opportunity to get him for an expiring contract and, you know, we can debate. I was actually going to ask you, is is a first round pick too much for Terry Rosario? Hundred percent. I, I can't. I can't think of a team that would give up a first round pick. I only thought because they have basically two 2022 first rounders that they wouldn't be too crazy. Because then you're saying like, okay, is are we going to use both of them? And if we don't use both of them, are we going to be able to get a player better than Terry Rozier? Well, the- what they're realistically going to do is they're going to go into the 22 trade deadline and they're going to be presumably pretty good at that point. 
and they might use one of those picks to upgrade somewhere else and get a veteran. So at that, just, you know, it's not even a matter of tanking for me so much as it's a matter of asset allocation. If you're going to give up a first-round pick to get an upgrade, I think you should have to do it with a clear goal in mind that's better than remain remotely competitive, you know? And there's a basketball argument for this, right? I mean, last year their bench units were killing everybody. Tyus Jones was at the head of those. Now Tyus Jones is having to play more with John Moran out, and the Grizzlies are getting killed when he's on the floor. They're minus 16.8 with him on, and they're plus 4.5 with him off. So clearly he's somebody who's better suited to a smaller role. Terry has been a starter. He's a starter right now. I get the idea. It would definitely make them better. I just I don't think the price makes sense, and I don't think the motivation makes sense. You want to talk about a winning team that could use the upgrade? Ooh, I think you're going to hate this. This is, I think, by far the funniest trade we've ever proposed on this. Wow, that's what saying about, something. What about Brooklyn? <laughs> they lost Spencer Dinwiddie, so they clearly need more ball creation. Especially, I mean, Kevin Durant is out four games. So it's not the end of the world. But, like, he was not going to play back-to-backs this year. He was always going to miss 15 games. Kyrie always misses 15 games here and there. They're suddenly kind of in the hole from a record perspective. They're three and four. Durant's going to be out four games. Let's get they go one and three there. If you're starting four and seven, it's pretty hard to get up to like the two, the three seed. Does Brooklyn really want to be on the road the all three rounds of the Eastern Conference playoffs and the finals? Probably not. So here's what I'm proposing. Something along the lines of Torian Prince, and if you had to add some extra salary filler like Rodian's Currents, like something like that, you do it and you give up a second round pick or something. Like it's it's very simple. Build the Spencer Dinwiddie hole. They're different players overall, but would function pretty similarly. He's a better shooter than Spencer Dinwiddie. The issue is he and Kyrie did not exactly see eye to eye in Boston. <laughs> so I don't know how that would work from a chemistry perspective, and he would hate that. But you're just doing it temporarily, and after the season, you have a big expiring contract. You can trade him for somebody else. Can you? I just don't understand how you think that the the Hornets would ever do that. What are they getting out of this deal? Torian Prince and Rodian's Kuriks and a couple yeah, of second well, round picks? Come on, man. We have very different valuations of Terry Rozier in our He's 26. He's, he's a fine, decently startable player, I guess. But you have two better young guys. You presumably want to play over him. He's a pretty expensive player. You know, if you can get off that contract, not the worst thing in the world. Maybe you don't have to – maybe you – a second isn't enough. Maybe Rodian's Kurix isn't enough, but like you're not getting a first round pick for Terry Rozier. We have, we clearly have different, uh, look, the dude, 23 points a game, 45 three point shooting on the Hornets. It doesn't mean much to me. It's empty set. We saw him on a winning team and you know what he did? He sulked for the entire year. Yeah, but he wouldn't be coming off the bench this time. He'd be part of the starting unit. In Memphis, he'd be temporarily a part of the starting unit. No, he'd start next to Joe. He's starting now. Grayson Allen? Get out of here. Grace, okay, Grayson Allen is better than Terry Rozier in an off-ball role, I would say. He's bigger, right, better shooter. Like, we are off the rails if you're telling me you think that Grayson Allen is better than Terry Rozier. Well, okay, back to Memphis for one second. <laughs> if you're getting Terry Rozier, you're also erasing $18 million in cap space this offseason. So in addition to everything you're giving up to get him, you're factoring in the opportunity cost of the cap space you were going to spend. So that just doesn't make sense to me. I think if you're trading for Terry Rozier, it's probably because winning makes sense for you this year. It makes sense for Brooklyn this year. They need another guard. They also need a power forward. But if you can get somebody to fill in for Dinwiddie, help you win some regular season games, and then in a year he becomes an expiring contract you can trade. I don't see what's so wrong with that. Now, maybe they do have to give up a first-round pick to get this done. If that's the case, I'm walking away. But 
it's something I would explore if the cost is lower than a first. Right. And like, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that Brooklyn wouldn't do this. I think that makes sense for them. I'm just saying that I, I can't imagine the Hornets would do something like that, but I don't know. You, you may know a bit more about this stuff than me. The other team I looked at was the, uh, the Mavericks. I think that they I'm uh, more interested in this. could use a secondary uh, ball handler score. You know, Luca's carrying a big load and he's out of shape and stuff. Um, there were two routes you could go. You can trade him straight up for Tim Hardaway Jr. Their salaries match perfectly. What do you do? You think that the Dallas would be interested in that? I don't want to give up their cap space, so I probably wouldn't. I'd rather give up players who are signed in next year. So if there was something you could do around Dwight Powell, I'd be pretty interested. Especially you're always trying to get rid of Dwight Powell. Dwight Powell is good. He's been bad this year, coming off a torn Achilles. Dwight Powell's mother is going to be tweeting us after all these podcasts. What do you have against my son? Let me make my position perfectly clear. Before he got hurt, Dwight Powell was pretty good. Like I was fine with him on the contract he was on. He has not looked good to start this season. I generally don't trust players who are, whose talent is based in athleticism and have long-term contracts coming off the torn Achilles. You know, if you're Kevin Durant, sure. Like, Kevin Durant, you take the risk. Dwight Powell, I just don't think it's worth it. Like, Willie Cauley-Sign started over him tonight. So they well, so then what are the Hornets getting out of it? You're getting Dwight Powell in, like, a second-rounder? Second-round like picks. Kind yeah, of like a, if, a Brooklyn package? Right. My package is salary filler plus non-first-round picks. You right, can haggle sal- over how many seconds, but... I think salary filler works if it's expiring, but if you got multiple years, I don't think they're, they're going to be one. Well, remember, Terry is multiple years, too, so it's not like you're taking on extra money. Yeah, but he's better. He's better, but he's not good enough that you're going to get a first from anybody. So I think if you're getting multiple seconds and you're accomplishing the goal of getting LaMelo into the starting lineup, then you're fine. Yeah, and my second uh, Mavericks trade involved James Johnson and uh, some removing protections on the Knicks 2023 pick. So I think we're, I think we're out on that. Yeah, I think we just have different ideas of the valuation. Now, here's my last one, and this is not quite as funny as the Brooklyn one. Pretty funny. What about Boston? <laughs> they have the Gordon Hayward trade exception. You know, they have all of their own picks if they really do have to give up a first-round pick. They clearly need some extra shot creation. Now, I think they view Peyton Pritchard as the secondary shot creator after Kemba Walker, at least at the point guard spot. So I think they'd probably just say, we'll wait for Kemba to get healthy, but so far this year, they've clearly lacked shot creation. It's not, you know, it's not the craziest thing. I think it, it makes sense for them. I, I, you know what I do hate, though, is when the, the preseason hype train on these rookies, like, oh, man, he looks really good in camp. They absolutely love him. I hate when it's, like, true. Like, Peyton Pritchard's pretty good. Like, I've been he watching. He actually is, like, a genuine I know. Player. It's so frustrating. You want to say, like, oh, that's BS. They're just hyping up their guy. And then you see him. I thought the same thing with, uh, I kept hearing it with the Clippers and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. They were just like, oh, my God, like, we can't believe we got him and all this stuff. And then, like, he played and we're like, oh, wow, yeah, they're actually right. Well, it's funny for the Clippers to have that attitude because they took Jerome Robinson one pick later over Michael Porter Jr. So, you know, maybe they, that, wow. kind of a mixed draft history. Yeah, you know, the, the, king of the, the Clippers chemistry framework? problems. I, I don't think it was a bad idea to pass up Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> the king of the preseason hype train was Kyle Kuzma. And then he actually did for the first two months come out like, oh, he really is that good. And then it was a steady decline for like two full years before now he's starting to bounce back. But yeah, usually when you get the preseason hype train, it doesn't go that well. But Peyton Pritchard's legitimately good. Like kudos to Boston getting that guy at 26. Yeah, still you know, waiting for the Jordan Poole hype to, to pay off. Been hearing a lot of that over the summer. So. Jordan Poole hype? Did he play a single good preseason game? He, uh, I think he played like one, like one, he had like 16 points or something. I was like, look, man, see, we're just what we're trying to tell you. He's coming along. But, you know, hey, don't give up. That's what I'll give you. 
So Terry Rozier is staying on the Hornets, is what we're saying, because we can't yeah, figure out a deal. can't agree to anything. And you know what? I think that's realistic, because the Hornets are the type of team that look at a low-level starter like Terry Rozier making almost $20 million and say, like, yes, that's good value. That's what the Hornets do, right? I mean, Cody Zeller was making $15 million for several years on that team. They paid Gordon Hayward close to the max. Like, they're fine overpaying guys. It's not a big deal to them. If Lamelo is really this good, then in 10 games, he's just going to be a starter anyway, and they'll figure it out. Like, maybe they have to move Gordon Hayward to the four and start three guards. I don't know. Like, they'll oh, figure it be, out. Be a disaster defensively. It, they're already a disaster defensively. Right. What I, I, guess that's the, I guess that's the pivot. Is like, they need to realize, like, we're not going to win this year. Like, whatever designs they had on that by signing Gordon Hayward, they're like, all right, that's not happening well, this year. It's funny. My big complaint with them was getting Gordon Hayward, aside from the fact that it was a bad contract, and aside from the fact that they stretched Nikola Batum, which made no sense whatsoever. He's actually was, playing good for the Clippers. Well, he's playing well for them, but it was also like they now have $9 million in dead money on their books for three years, which makes no sense. Gordon Hayward is not worth that. But anyway, I thought it was going to take them from being one of the worst teams in the league to like bottom 10 and you hurt your own draft pick. Oh, no, they're just so bad anyway. They're going to have a top pick no matter what. Charlotte. I mean, that's what they do. They just get lottery picks. Was this the first one we've ever done that we didn't agree to a trade? I don't know if we ever agree. I think we just got to talk until we, uh, we put find out some sort of options. That, that's yeah, that's, yeah. I, I think we just fundamentally disagree on how good Terra Azir is. I think it's, it's hard to make a deal. And this is probably a, deal, a, a problem that a lot of GMs run into, where they're just like, no, my guy's better than this. And people they're talking to are like, no, no, he's not. Well, it's not necessarily that I think Terry Rozier is bad. It's just how many teams would he be the full-time starting point guard on? Not many. Point guard is a really deep position. Yeah, that's the other thing. I was looking through the teams. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. I don't need I really team. struggled. Like, that's maybe why I didn't see Memphis. Like, it's really hard to find a team that would look at Terry Rozier and say, like, okay, yeah, this is our guy. I think he's really done a, be- a better job playing off the ball. And, like, his numbers are bearing that out. He's, he's a good off-ball shooter. I think he could play alongside point guards and you know it's the nba now so you don't need to have a point guard and a shooting guard anymore you play your best guys you need somebody who can defend shooting guards if you're going to play a normal point guard and he's 6'1 he's teeny yeah he's a little guy so i mean maybe he could be a six man for somebody but that's pretty expensive for a six man i mean it would depend on your roster i guess so he's just sort of a complicated player to fit when i saw that contract again not because i thought you know like he's a bad player who doesn't deserve to be paid it was like 58 million. I was like, are we sure that wasn't 5.8 million? <laughs> like, that's a bit much. I think everyone was blown away. What were you more blown away by, that or the Hayward deal? I think the Hayward deal, because it really seemed like Indiana was going to get done. It just made so much sense. Going home, winning team. There was an easy sign and trade with Turner there. But the idea that Danny Ainge didn't want Miles Turner really you know, blew my mind because I love Miles Turner. So I, I would say I was probably more surprised by that. The Hornets making a bad decision just in a vacuum is never going to surprise me. Sam, we did it. We spent an entire podcast talking about the Charlotte Hornets. I think that's got to be a first, right? Oh, yeah. Maybe list? the first in the history of podcasting. Even Maybe Hornets they just podcast. send us a blue and green honeycomb. I think we need to get some Air Jordans out of this. I think is what we need to get. Yeah, you know what, Hornets? We gave you some good PR. Well, not good PR. We gave you some, some press here. Help us out. No, that seems like the right note to go off on Hornets if you hear this. You know, we talked about you, so you know what? Maybe send us some goodies. But either way, go like and subscribe, Apple Podcasts. Colin, are we on Google Podcasts yet? Yeah, I got a letter out to Google. Uh, that's probably why it's taking so long because I sent okay. it. 
So Google people, TBD, but Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe, review, tell your friends, steal their phones, subscribe for them, all that jazz. Colin, it was a pleasure. We'll be back later this week. Appreciate it, man. 